Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and... uh, well, the Wizard of Willamette Valley, that's what I am today. I'm so pleased to uh, be diving into our friends from Oregon. I know harvest is underway. It is September. The Seahawks are playing tomorrow at Denver, and I will be there. Excited my first time in Denver. Um, been to the Mile House. Never been to the Mile House Stadium. And see if I can join the Mile High Club. That'll be really fun. <laughs> Uh, but before we get there, of course, um, I want to talk about uh, all the fun things happening in Seattle and the Puget Sound. Of course, uh, Cider Summit was just this last weekend. And it was fantastic. Um, but, you know, you have to head out to uh, Walla Walla, uh, Yakima Valley, or Woodenville. I mean, these guys are pulling in grapes. You get to see the winemaking process. Um, you might get stung by a hornet, but that's really fun. And uh, you get to see how the winemaking is done in Washington State. You might be able to taste some um, grapes. And I think, I remember... When I first had my uh, a grape from Vitis vinifera, I tasted it and I go, "Oh my God, it's sweet!" Well, of course it's sweet. Yeah, it's a grape. That's what that's how it works. But when you think it's a Merlot grape, you're like, "I've tasted a lot of Merlot, and I've never tasted much that sweet." So you, your brain does a little 180 and goes, "Oh, okay, now I'm learning," and that's always fun. It's fun to learn, and uh, uh, we've got lots of great, exciting shows coming up that you'll learn more. But today, it's about Oregon, Willamette Valley, and one of the larger uh, properties down in Willamette Valley is Willamette Valley Vineyards. I have the pleasure of having uh, the Northwest Brand Manager for Willamette Valley Vineyards, Marissa Uyavar. Hey, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I know we chatted off uh, off air, and you you have some Dutch heritage. Uh, we were talking about uh, the Netherlands, and um, I have a little Dutch in me, too. Hey, don't we all? <laughs> if you're spirited and, uh, you know, say bad jokes, you must be part Dutch, right? Oh, okay. All right. Uh, uh, that could be me. I've got both that down. Um, let's talk about you. How did you get in the wine biz? Uh, I actually kind of landed in it accidentally. Uh, I was part of Lambert Valley Vineyards Wine Club uh, about eight to nine years ago, and I stopped in one day to pick up my wine club shipment, and they offered me a job. What? <laughs> I know. That never happens. Uh, but it did to me, and I happily accepted and I became because you were buying lots of wine and they said you were a big big supporter (laughs) no my background is in hospitality management and uh, restaurant openings are you from the east coast I am not I'm actually an original Oregonian my parents immigrated here from the Netherlands um, in the late 70s and uh, born and raised in Oregon so I lived in the Willamette Valley, grew up right next door to King Estate, actually. Mm -hmm. And so wine is in my blood, I guess you could say. (laughs) Uh, That's called BAC, actually. Yeah, right? (laughs) That's the unhealthy version. Uh Uh, And so, yeah, I started at the winery as our hospitality manager about eight years ago and kind of grew with the company ever since. And the company has been growing since then. Uh, I I know that I met Jim Bernal back in 2001, I believe, when I was down 
down at the uh, Oregon Pinot Camp. Uh, very cool cat. We've uh, I've seen him here in Seattle for trade shows and, and wine tastings and things like that. Um, I know that the brand has grown. What have you experienced from Willamette Valley Vineyards for, in the last eight years? What have you seen? Oh, my gosh. We have grown just wonderfully and exponentially all at the same time. Uh, we recently had some more share offerings, uh, stock offerings, because we've been purchasing new properties. Um, we've purchased uh, a couple of properties in the Dundee Hills that we're developing. Um, and then most recently, we also purchased some property in Walla Walla, but I on the Milton that. Freewater side, so that we can continue to use um, Oregon uh, on our labels. Oh, right. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, that, that district, the, Milton, the Rocks of Milton Freewater District, is uh, a very unique place, one of the several in the world. Uh, obviously, shouting up to Pop, and I like to say the, uh, the area of Prerot, um, and of course, Gimblet Gravels in New Zealand, um, but that is a very, very cool place. Now, where is Willamette Valley Vineyards located? So we're just south of Salem in Turner, Oregon. Um, if you are familiar with Enchanted Forest, we are right next door. Uh, so you can drop your kids off, come on over, have some lunch, enjoy the view, have a <laughs> bottle of wine. Kids. Is it safe to <laughs> drop your kids off these days? Uh, maybe with a nanny. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got a great estate. Um, we've recently added a food service as part of our amenities that we add, um, that we have available to guests. And it's really elaborated our, our experience that we can offer. Um, our current uh, winery chef is actually from the Seattle area. Really? Uh, yeah, uh, Chef DJ McIntyre, and so DJ in the house. Yeah, we're very lucky to have him. He sources everything from local farms um, within at least twenty to thirty miles of the winery. And so when you stop in and have a bite to eat and enjoy our wine, you know that everything is Oregon grown. It's really fun. When I head down to the Lamette Valley, um, it's it's slightly bucolic. I mean, things are getting bigger, a little busier, but it still has this rural feel outside of that traffic jam that handle, happens I think it's in Newburgh or yes. uh, right around which, there. Which they've worked on. Yes. Um, they built an overpass so the traffic jam uh, doesn't exist anymore, thank That's goodness. Good. All right. Um, but you're right. Uh, we are just one big farming community, truly. Um, you know, gosh, if a if a tractor breaks down in the middle of harvest, we're calling our neighbor and borrowing mares, and and they're more than happy to loan it to us. Sure, that's what um, makes our, our Washington, Oregon. We're we're pioneers, and pioneer people helped each other because we were all on that same frontier. When was Willamette Valley Vineyards founded? So it was founded in 1983. 83, I was in like 85. Shoot, yeah, 1983. Um, and then our first share offering was in 1989. Um, and really, we were built upon a dream by Jim Bruno. Um to make world-class Pinot Noir. And so our really our winery has grown since then. And we are supported now by over 16,000 shareholders and wine yeah. enthusiasts. Yes, I remember seeing the, the big offerings in the wine trade magazines. Now, 1983, I'm thinking that's your birth year. Uh, potentially. <laughs> but a lady never tells. Okay. Well, that's what I'd say. I just put it out there. Um, so fun. Now, uh, how many people work at Willamette Valley Vineyards? Gosh, you know, um, it really varies throughout the year. During harvest, we add on our whole harvest crew. Um, 
during the year on regular business hours, I would say we have about 60 to 70 employees across um, our three different vineyard sites. Um, and then during harvest, we probably tack on an extra 20 to 30 employees. And how many wines are made at uh, the production facility there? Uh, you know, it varies, again, year from year. We've been adding some different um offerings as far as Pinot Noirs and um, really adding to our portfolio and it's growing. Um, currently, I would say we're in between 25 and 32 wines per wow. year. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. That's, yeah. And is it uh, deviate outside of the, the the typical Oregon grapes, the Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris, Chardonnay, Riesling? Yes. We also have a Griffin Creek label. Oh, um, that's you? Yep, that is Where us. Where did you buy that? Um, we never bought it. We actually started it. Are you kidding? Um, yeah, in 1996. I, oh, I kind of remember that now. Yes, and that does Syrah and Cabin Merlot and yeah. some big Bordeaux-style wines. Yep, yep. And uh, Cab Franc, um, Tempranillo. Yeah, so our Griffin Creek label, um, that is all fruit sourced from Southern Oregon, Mm -hmm. and it's just a just a really plentiful vineyard site that we're able to really make some quality, heavy Bordeaux-style wines. So that is uh, Umqua Valley and the Rogue River Valley, and there's one more red something, red uh, Red Hills, I think. Yeah, I think it's a new one down there. Um, do you? I don't see Griffin Griffin wines up here. Is it Griffin wines or Griffin? Yeah, Cellars? Griffin Creek. Griffin Creek. Um, no, you know that's um, with the the Griffin guy on it. right? Yes, it All is. Right. Yep. Um, no, we don't distribute up here in Washington. We do have some select stores in Oregon that do carry it, um, and then we always uh, ship direct to customers who who want to purchase it through the winery. Well, let's talk about the winery. Um, you have a website, a wine club, obviously, because you remember. Yep. <laughs> What's the website? Website's wvv.com. Let's see. So that's... Uh, Walrus Victor Victor.com. Yeah, Walrus. <laughs> it's a winter <laughs> Victor Victor. Uh, okay, that's pretty easy. Um, and were you prepared to leave your previous position and just jump into the wine industry? Uh, actually, yes. I had just completed a contract project where I was helping um, up in Portland open some new restaurant concepts. Mm. Um, so I used to go in and, and train everybody from the general manager to the sales or to the staff um, on points of service. Uh, and so, wow. yeah, so I had just finished that and I was kind of looking for my new adventure and was moving from Lake Oswego, Oregon, down back to Eugene. Uh, I had been interviewing with Lane Community College uh, for a hospitality program manager position, and this kind of fell into my lap, and I thought, what the hell? So I took it. That's great. Um, Obviously, the benefits, are you still a member of the club? (laughs) I am still a member of the club, and the other benefit is that I met my husband at the winery as well. Really? What was he doing? Um, He was our warehouse manager. He was Uh, the assistant to the winemaker, and then he also was on our national sales team. Wow. All right. So he sounds like a very talented individual and a lucky guy, I'm sure. Um, Do you have a favorite wine coming from Willamette Valley Vineyards? I would have to say it's one of the wines that we're going to be trying today. It's our whole cluster rosé. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at that, and what's the the labels have been pretty iconic. They've been pretty stable for for a long time, except with the exception of this whole idea of whole cluster. That's I pretty know. neat. We're uh, kind of trialing some new label development on these two products, but um, this whole cluster rosé we first. Uh, unrolled in 2015 and I have to say like 
I love rosé, but I've always been pretty disappointed with a lot of the rosés out there. Yeah, me too. Um, just because you get that, you smell it, and you get very excited about it, and you think it's going to be amazing, and then you get it in your mouth, and you're like, wow, that's super disappointing. Whoa, whoa. Doesn't smell anything like it's tasting. And so my, I, you know, when we unrolled this, I tried it, smelled it, tried it, and it smelled exactly like it tasted, and I, I'm hooked. I'm super excited to taste that. Um, so the winery has a tasting room. Is there one tasting room? Is there one up here in Seattle? Uh, no, we don't have one up here in Seattle, but we do have a tasting room at our estate in Turner. And then we also own Tualatin Estate Vineyards, which is out in Forest Grove. That's an old name. It is. And so we uh, we own that winery as well. And so we have a tasting room there that's opened on the weekends, Fridays and Saturdays well, and Let's Sundays. talk about the owner, Jim Burnow. Yes. He is um, one of the icons of of Oregon these days, obviously, with his uh, uh, with the ascension of gaining more traction, more land. Um, obviously, we've seen the the Californians come in, or even the French, and there is a little bit of a land grab race. And um, but I see that the local kid's done good. Yes, he did really well. Um, I think what really kind of sets him apart is that he builds relationships with people um, that have this land, and we are stewards of the land. Um, we only practice sustainable practices for all of our wines and so that really sets us apart um, and people really trust uh, our mission and so when we partner with um, winemakers or um, even just wine growers uh, when they get ready to retire and want to um, you know possibly sell their land I'm ready to or retire. right um, <laughs> we've done a really nice job of, of partnering with them and and you know Fulfilling what their life mission was as well. Right. What do we call that? The uh, it's not the ascension. It's the uh, the longevity. I forget. Um, very interesting. Are there any big events in uh, at Willamette Valley Vineyards? I am so glad you asked that. So as we are coming. Um, getting into harvest, we uh, have our annual grape stomp event coming up. It's always the third weekend of September. Uh, it's a pretty big event for us, and not only for us, but for Oregon. Um, this grape stomp is nationally recognized. Okay. So, uh, I know, right? By who? Well, everybody who wins. The Bigfoot Club? Yeah, the the person who wins our grape stomp from the heats uh, during day one and day two. They compete at the end of day two against one another. And then we send them to Santa Rosa. And Santa Rosa is the national grape stomp competition. And then those people who win that get to win a trip to Italy. Oh, wow. So, where they still do it. I used to think Portugal because they got the... Uh, I the, know, right? Yeah, the <laughs> Ligares where they're doing the hand trot, the hand foot or the foot trotting, I should say hand trotting. Uh, it's really foot trotting. Uh, I have Marissa Uyavar, who is the Northwest brand manager for uh, Willamette Valley Vineyards. We've got five wines, and we're going to jump into them right after this. So stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Putting America first and holding the powerful accountable. Sean Hannity, weekdays 6 to 9 p.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. 
All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round two. Hope you got something tasty in your glass. I've got uh, the lovely Marissa Uyavar, who is the Northwest brand manager for Lamet Valley Vineyards. And I've got five wines here, five glasses filled with wine. Uh, they're just taste. But uh, uh, Marissa, let's talk about this. Um, Pinot Gris is one of the signature grapes for Oregon. Uh, and you have a Pinot Gris for me. Yes. So we have made our Pinot Gris for quite a few years now. Um, It is one of my favorite varietals that we make, particularly because living in the Pacific Northwest, what does Pinot Gris go best with but seafood? And, um, you know, honestly, this is just such a great, vibrant wine. Um, It's got a really nice... uh, just balance to it. And I feel like a lot of the times Pinot Gris has a tendency to be a little bit overly acidic with not a lot of body. Um, and I feel like this Pinot Gris truly defies that. Wow. Um, that's yummy. Yeah. And Pinot Gris has evolved. I think there's, obviously we have Pinot Gris from uh, Italy, Pinot Grigio. We have it from the Alto Adige, the Friuli, uh, Trevenezzi. Um but also from Alsace, which is a different style of Pinot Gris, and that is certainly uh, much more oxidative and more rich and oily and fat with some, perhaps sometimes, botrytis. Um, Oregon Pinot Gris has always been known for its clean stainless steel style, and mm-hmm. uh, obviously you'll get, when you have stainless steel, sometimes you'll add batonnage, just stirring the leaves to add a little uh, texture and complexity to the wine. Um, but for the most part, Pinot Gris... To me, it should always be refreshing, um, not really complex because there's not a lot going on there. It's really supposed to be clean, refreshing, and dry at the finish. And I think you hit this. This one is a 2017 vintage. Do you study the vintages? I mean, being a Northwest brand manager, do you have to look at the vintages and be able to speak to geeks like me? Uh, You know, I do it for my own kind of education because I love seeing the differences um, between vintages. I mean, to really just kind of talk in layman terms, but, uh, you know, every harvest is different, whether that be for corn or tomatoes or, you know, and we really rely on the sun, the sky, the temperature, and really what happens throughout that growing season. Uh, For the 2017 vintage, this was literally our largest vintage that we ever had. Um, We pulled in well over 200,000 tons of fruit that vintage. Holy smokes. It was, yeah, I ran into our wine, or our, That's yeah. a lot our, of trucks. Oh, it was a ton. I ran into our winemaker almost towards the end of, of the harvest last year, and I said, how are you doing? And he's like, I, I, uh, he I'm, just had no words. <laughs> I'm shotgunning Red Bulls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, and so uh, we are preparing for this year's vintage, uh, 2018 vintage, to be very similar to 2015, um, just of how uh, the so growing season warm, has been. but mm-hmm. slow. Warm, slow, and plentiful. And we can thank um, the smoke that we have had these the past couple, yeah. couple of weeks for that. Um, you know, you look at the weather, and the weather has said that it's supposed to be 98 plus degrees. That can cause a lot of sunburn to those grapes. And so with this haze, it's buffering um, that sunburn. And it's really creating kind of almost like a blanket um, where it's kind of trapping that heat in. It's keeping those warmer evenings. Um, So So you got a lot of of smoke down in Willamette Valley as well. We do, unfortunately. Yeah, it's coming up from Northern California. Well, we know where it's coming from. And from Washington and Oregon. I thought we got some fires ourselves. We do. We do in Eastern Oregon. We've got several burning right now. Um, And so... 
it's, you know, obviously it's impacting our health, uh, but it's it's doing great favors for the grapes. Right. And I know Willamette Valley, um, I've, I've served at IPNC on several occasions. I've enjoyed it. And uh, I know if Oregon Penal Camp, it gets hot down there and a little humid and the air tends to stagnate. Um, I think one of the challenges, obviously, sunburn with the heat as the vines shut down, but you can also have a little bit of mold or mildew, which takes place. Um, 17, fresh vintage. This is a delicious wine. What does Pinot Gris cost? Um, our Pinot Gris retails for anywhere between 16 and $19 on the shelf. Um, here in, in Seattle, you can find it at QFC, Fred Meyer, Safeways. Good. Tasty. Yeah. Uh, clean. There's just a hint of residual sugar on the finish, but I think accents some of that pear and gala apple fruit. Um, touch of lemon for acidity. Uh, but delicious. Oh, so now we are on to this rosé whole cluster. Tell yeah. me about this. So this whole cluster rosé is done in uh, whole cluster fermentation style um, and then processed in stainless steel tanks. So it's very clean and refreshing. Um, but because it's done in that whole cluster fermentation... You mean... Carbonic maceration, right? Yes, so carbonic this is, maceration. So this is a closed vessel, mm-hmm. and we have intracellular fermentation taking place, which is um, a very minute cellular. It, you're not making 15% alcohol. You're only making like three, four degrees of alcohol when you have uh, carbonic. But what it does, tell me. Is it self-ferments? It self-ferments, but also it maintains certain characteristics yes. of, uh, uh, of flavors. When we think of yeast, which affect, well, obviously, each sugar makes alcohol, CO2, glycerol. Each yeast strain has a certain signature. Sometimes it's banana. Sometimes it's apple. Sometimes it's higher alcohol. Sometimes it's mm, just tastes like the Rhone Valley. But in this case, whole cluster fermentation or uh, carbonic maceration brings notes of pear, marzipan, almond, just this uh, cherry note, which um, is very candied. Mm-hmm. And they say call it bubblegum sometimes. Yeah. And another part what makes up whole cluster is it's the stems, the seeds, the skins, everything that goes into this fermentation process, which just allows that softness of that fermentation to really develop. Um, and that's why you're getting that full fruit taste on this rosé. Um, really crisp, delightful, um, nice hints of strawberry. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean, truly, it's one of my favorite rosés that I've had. That it is. I'll be honest, too. Um, I'm a rosé fanatic. I started my winery trying to make great rosé, and I did. Thank you. <laughs> um, but this one is delicious. This is actually hits all hits all the things you want. You want it to be refreshing. You want to have some fruit notes. Um, it's pretty much dry. I think there's just again a little bit, but that's that's great because you've got tannin, you've got structure, you've got moderate acidity, and using Pinot Noir. Are these grapes grown specifically for the rosé? Uh, no, actually. So when we look at what comes in. Um, during harvest and we separate out um, you know what's going to be going towards what each wine um, this comes from our whole cluster uh, Pinot Noir grapes and so it's a rosé of Pinot Noir and so when we make our whole cluster of Pinot Noir this is the first bleed off of that um, oh. and so we take that uh, first run juice off and, and make this whole cluster rosé and then what remains actually then becomes our whole cluster Pinot Noir. I see and that's that's interesting because you brought that as well I'll be uh, yes. in, interested to taste that to see how the concentration efforts go because when you're actually bleeding off or sangre if you will that's the term the French use for bleeding sangre uh, or sangria if you will too for your Spain 
Um, it actually adds concentration because you're taking less, you're taking the liquid out and maintaining more of the uh, grape flavors and, and skins and seeds, et cetera, to add more uh, complexity, texture, flavor to the wine. How many cases of, of whole cluster Pinot Noir? Then what's it cost? Uh, so of the rosé. Rosé. Um, yeah. So the rosé you can also find in stores. Generally, it's between sixteen and nineteen dollars per bottle. Good. Um, I'm unsure of what we made for this particular vintage because it is one of our newer released yes, vintages. Brand new. Um, so I don't have the back history on that. But last year we made just over seven thousand cases. Ah, congratulations! I like that. Um, you know the idea of rosé. Not only being a delicious quaffer, but actually having more complexity. We look at Vandal, we look at um, uh, Domaine Ott, the things from France. Uh, even, I think, uh, uh, Whispering Angel and the Miraval. Um, but California's getting in the game, too, and they're trying to promote luxury cuvées of rosé. I don't think we need to go that far, although I'd like to be the first person to make a $100 bottle of rosé. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's probably a winery or two down there that's already beat you to it. But. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Um, I think you get some, some notice then, because sometimes you get lost in the sea of pink, which uh, really is the uh, tsunami of... Uh, uh, rosé, but this is delicious, um, and I like the fact that it's under twenty bucks. Uh, it's a it's a stellar buy, and it's got great um, it's great by the glass, but also food friendly. I can tell it's definitely food friendly. Um, my favorite thing to to drink this with is baked brie with some apricot. Wow. And a wow. little bit of apple slices. Wow! Yep, Do you buy the whole like... big round of brie? Like oh, totally the, from yeah. Costco. Wow. <laughs> nice. I think I'd be in the hospital after all that. Uh... <laughs> Jeez. Dinner. Uh, it is dinner. Uh, pretty neat. You said you have a restaurant there at the winery. Um, we do. do you sell appetizers and plates to to uh, enjoy the wines with? We is it do. by the glass? You buy the bottle? Is it so um, Saint Michel? You can do by the glass, by the bottle. Um, we do. We have food service from eleven to six p.m. seven days a week. Well, that sounds like a good gig. Uh, yeah, it's great, and our food is amazing. We've got um, several different kinds of. We've got appetizers. We've got a charcuterie board, cheese board, everything locally sourced, um, and then. As far as entrees, uh, I have to say I'm a glutton for punishment. My favorite entree is our estate burger, which uh, all of our food is seasonal. So um, every three to four months, our menu does change up. So so the burger goes away? Oh, no. We actually keep that all year round. But um, because of the seasons, we change what the toppings are. Oh, and sure. So and so all yeah. right. So you're from avocado to marinated red onion to uh, portobello mushroom. Pretty neat. Uh, speak with Marissa Uyavar, who is the Northwest brand manager for Willamette Valley Vineyards. Um, I was going to tell you something. I like uh, um, you. I thought you were going to say I'm a, a what gluten for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I don't think I could I could live and be gluten free. I like oh, carbs too lucky. much. Oh, <laughs> uh, I wish I could. Um uh, cuz that's having a difficult time myself. Hey folks, we've got three more wines here from Willamette Valley Vineyards. Stick around, we'll be right back on 570 Start your day the right way. The Commute with Carlson, live and local, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m., Talk Radio 570 KVI. Now more KVI Want to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, Seattle. Hope you're having a great Saturday night. Time for round three. I got three glasses left on my plate. 
on my deck here. And uh, the lovely Marissa Uyavar, who's the Northwest Brand Manager for Lamette Valley Vineyards, my new best friend. Uh, she's up here in the Northwest, and uh, we do like the Northwest, especially when it comes to um, trading grapes and trading wines. Uh, obviously, we had the Pinot Gris from Lamette Valley Vineyards, the whole cluster Pinot uh, Noir Rosé, which is absolutely delicious. And we have a third wine. This is a white wine. Marissa, what is it? It's a Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Yeah. So I will be the first to admit, um, when I first started working at the winery, I did not like Chardonnay. Um, my mom drank Chardonnay when I was growing up, and so <laughs> you could just not sell me on drinking a glass of Chardonnay, and no less a glass of Oregon Chardonnay. I know. Oregon has had a difficult time finding out their identity. Right. But I have to say that quickly, um, once I tried Willamette Valley Vineyards Chardonnay, we have two that we make uh, um, specifically, and an estate Chardonnay, and then this Dijon clone Chardonnay. Um, this wine is phenomenal. It's our 2015 vintage. Um, it's got some really nice, rich, buttery notes, but without being overpowering whatsoever. Um, same goes for the oak. Um, it's just a really nice balance of both. Um, and it doesn't lean one way or the other. It's not heavy, oaky, kind of California Chardonnay. And it's not that overly acidic um, type of Chardonnay that, that Oregon is potentially famous for. Overly acidic. I like that. <laughs> well, it's funny you say Dijon clones, and I, I think I'm picking up a little Grey Poupon in this. Right? Just a touch. Just a touch. It'd be great with a, a ham and mustard sandwich, note. right? Absolutely. <laughs> hey, this is pretty good. Um, I, I am definitely a... Uh, lover of Chardonnay. Uh, I can drink white burgundy for hours and hours and hours, and I have. Um, and to me, that is the pinnacle of what the grape can express. Uh, and Oregon has had a difficult time, in my opinion, uh, really finding the niche of what is consistent, which which grape varieties or which clones grow best. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of us planted a Wente. Now we're doing Dijon um, and it's oak treatment. And then, you know, you figure out if it's if it's the right bricks and acid and all that. Uh, to me, this is this is a good good solid Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. This is going to please a lot of people. Yeah, and we worked really hard um, for these grape clones, actually. So we quickly realized um, that part of the problem of growing Chardonnay was that we couldn't take those California grapes and and plant them in Oregon because right. they just didn't perform as well as they, they should have or what we expected them to. And so uh, how we overcame that is uh, Jim Bruneau went on a mission with several other uh, Oregon winemakers to France. And so these uh, Chardonnay clippings came directly from France and they got shipped to uh, what Oregon. part of France do you think? Uh, I don't know. I'm probably not really the good sure. Part. Yeah, probably the good part. Um, Burgundy. And uh, so we uh, shipped them over. They went straight to Oregon State University um, to the verticultural to be, program. Uh, quarantined. To be quarantined. And then, For phylloxera, uh, I imagine. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, once they passed that test, they were distributed to those winemakers and, and our winery um, that went on that expedition trip. And these grapes have performed very well for us. Great job, grapes! Yeah, Top I know, notch. right? <laughs> Congratulations! Uh, yes, this is this is a delicious wine. It's gone through malolactic fermentation. And it's got a um, little butter, um, but it still is uh, relatively you know moderate plus acidity. Just about um, alcohol seems in check. It's probably fourteen two, maybe fourteen four. I don't know. Uh, what is it? Check it out. Let's see what it is. So I have. I have to say, one of my favorite parts about all of our bottles of wine no, is 5. that we have these little facts. 
bricks mm. on the back um, of each one of our labels. So it's this has been nine months in French oak. The bricks were between 20 and 23 percent. Uh, so it is lower. Yeah. And this is 14 percent. 14. Okay. Yep. Uh, 14 too. Uh, not bad. Congratulations. Me. Um, really tasty. What does that cost? Uh, this one actually you can find in stores for around $19. That's a deal. It is. It's a very good deal. That's where you have to be for Oregon because you're not going to, you get past that 20 bucks. It's a tough call because you got something called like Sonoma Couture out there, which is um, really uh, standard. Uh, anyway, we go on to red wine, which is exciting because uh, the Hallmark grape, and apologies to Southern Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, David Lett started it all, so we'll give him the credit. And uh, it was 66, which was someone's birth year in the room. Um, pretty fun. So we have Pinot Noir. Yes. So this is our whole cluster Pinot Noir. Um, I always like to say that this is the big brother to the whole cluster Rosé. Um, and again... Wait, they look like they're actually a step stepchildren. This is a blended family. One's pink and one's dark. <laughs> no, 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 uh, no comment. Uh, and uh, so this is the whole cluster of fermentation, um, Pinot Noir. Uh, I really love this wine. Around the winery, we do consider it a patio pounder because it's a really great introduction to Pinot Noir and or it's a great Pinot Noir that you can have every day and not feel guilty because the price point's around $22 a bottle. Um, and it's Feel just, guilty for what? Drinking every day or spending money? <laughs> well, you know, you always <laughs> save like the special maybe $30 plus for like a, a fancy night. Um, but this one kind of falls in that range where it's really easy drinking. It goes with a lot of different foods. Um, I actually personally prefer this wine um, with steak because it does kind of have that little heaviness to it um, for Pinot Noir. Maybe flank steak with some uh, chimichurri know, sauce. Chimichurri. So, yeah, yeah. Something to mm -hmm. give it some vibrancy. Because you've got, uh, this is just medium acid. The tannin is just moderate, minus, really. It's it's a soft tannin, but it's very fruity. It's It's got some grapey notes to it, which I think work when you, you any do charbroil. Yep. And this wine is also really unique. We have quite a few customers who, as they're heading up to the winery, uh, will call us ahead of time to have us put a bottle of this in the fridge for them because they like drinking this wine chilled as well, uh, which I always find incredibly interesting. Uh, but yeah, it has a great balance of fruit and that fruit forwardness. Um, if I am ever introduced to somebody who just you know kind of says, oh, I really don't like Pinot Noir, um, I don't, I don't like the earthiness or the. the they don't like the Pinot Noir yet. Yeah, this is the wine that I introduce them to, and and honestly, they turn around a hundred percent. Sure. Um, it is delicious. It's soft. It's fruity. It's round. Uh, this is all stainless steel, or is there just is. a hint of? Because no. that's just the stem inclusion that was giving me that tannin yep. perception. Um, and it's this, the fruit is ripe and it has sweet notes to it. I, and we say ripe fruit is probably the better notation. Uh, this tastes pretty dry. I think there's probably a little bit in there because you. For the style, mm -hmm. sugar helps add that yes. uh, perception of fruitiness, which um, is always fun. That's what we look for in wine. Uh, this is the 2016-2017. Uh, this is the 2016 vintage. Okay. Um, we are currently on that vintage here in Washington. And uh, down in Oregon, we've just released the 2017 oh, vintage. Oh, very good. Uh, the 2017 vintage. Uh, actually, this wine won... 90 points, Wine Spectator. <laughs> wine, uh, like wine, yeah, wine Enthusiast and Wine Spectator for um, Editor's Choice as well. All right. Um, it's 
little sister, if you will, the whole cluster of rosé, won 91 points wine enthusiast and editor's really choice. Yeah. yeah, that's really tasty. I'm, I'm impressed with that. Okay, we have one more Pinot Noir. Yeah. All right, this is? This is our flagship wine. Um, You know, we have three uh, vineyards that we source fruit from um, for a state fruit, and that's our vineyard site in Turner, Oregon, and then our vineyard out in the Eola Amity Hills of Oregon, uh, which is just uh, west of Salem. And then our third vineyard, which is in Forest Hills or Forest, Forest Grove, Grove. I'm sorry, um, Tualatin Estate. And uh, so this is our estate Pinot Noir. Meaning it's a blend of three different estates. It is. Or three estates. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jim likes to call it his 30 year quest because it took 30 years for him to have enough estate grown fruit where he could nationally uh, distribute an estate Pinot Noir. Wow, um, this is spot on. To yeah. me, this is the um, the perfect example, I'm just called the epiphany, of Oregon Pinot Noir. This is what we want. This has got complexity from the blend. This has got ripeness. It has structure. Uh, and, and I will be the first to admit that I'm probably a, uh, I'm a tough Oregon Pinot Noir critic. Um, being in Burgundy in 85 and, and having my mom be a Burgundy file and my dad, et cetera, Obviously, it's you can't compare it, um, but I certainly do drink more Oregon Pinot than California Pinot. That's probably part of price too, because California is adding a lot, uh, and they use too much Syrah down there. That's true. <laughs> they don't have out. the same. They don't have the same restrictions as Oregon does. No, they don't. Um, so this is a hundred percent Pinot Noir, absolutely, as it should be. Yeah, and the post to be. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we really are proud of this wine. Um, this one also just won ninety points, uh, and this one that you are trying is our twenty sixteen vintage. We just released this. Um, I have to say, again, one of my favorite wines, it really does express the vintage, but also the grape very well. Um, it's got that perfect little balance of earthiness and terroir. Um, just it's well-rounded. It's a great wine um, to, again, drink with a special occasion. And there's some neutral barrel here, right? This is yeah. it's not 100% stainless steel. No, it's, it's... this is actually nine months um, oak and 25% new French oak. Oh, really? New yeah. French? It's well, uh, it's well blended. Uh, very cool. Hey, I want to talk about some of the events happening down Willamette Valley, um, your perception of uh, Oregon Pinot Noir, and more when you come back right here on Happy Hour Radio. Tune it in and turn it up. Cruise home with Kirby. The Kirby Wilbur Show. Live and local. Weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. And you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Sommelier, Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back to our fourth and final segment. We've had five bottles of wine, um, one lovely lady. And I've got three glasses I'm still nursing here. Speaking with Marissa Uyavar, who is the Northwest Brand Manager for Willamette Valley Vineyards. Now, Marissa, we were just tasting the Estate Pinot Noir. It's 2016 vintage, yeah. and it's absolutely delicious. Um, I'm really surprised how uh, palatable this is because I think sometimes, well, when you blend it, you can you can make it to be as great as possible. Um, but typically, when I think of blending in Burgundy, 
They're you're using fruit that is like, you know, we got some good stuff here. Then we got, well, not some good stuff here. But you guys are all good stuff. This is tasty. Yeah, we really uh, focus on using the best of our best of our grapes um, for anything that we produce. Uh, our focus is on quality and always making sure that our customers are getting really the best of the vintage. Excellent. So uh, price point, this is in the $30 range? Yep, $30 range. Um, for that, it's an excellent value. It is. Um, an estate-grown Pinot Noir, uh, $30, bucks. that's well, great. I would say, that, um, regardless of what it's from, where it's from and how it's made, is that the length and complexity of this wine is what I look for. This is a, a delicious Pinot Noir experience, and those are kind of rare, especially under in that under $40 mark. You can find something from Burgundy, but it's typically a little tighter, a little more acidity. Um, but this has enough fruit, which wants, you know, we all want fruit. We all, we don't want to eat green fruit. No, <laughs> that's very true. Um, yeah, this is really ready to drink. Um, I opened this bottle an hour ago. Um, yeah, I saw so, some missing. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> had to try it. Uh, yeah, I opened this bottle about an hour ago, let it breathe a little bit. Uh, but really, a lot of our wines are pretty ready to drink when you open them. Yeah, that's what makes um, our, our domestic wine market uh, deliciously fun. Uh, well, congratulations on having a great gig. Um, tell me, you said you have 27 wines, was it? Yeah, we've, we vary. Yeah. Um, so we did add um, some new wines to our portfolio. We do make um, Elton Chardonnay. The Elton. Oh, really? Because yeah. that was the Pinot Noir vineyard. You yeah. had Elton. You had the Bernal block. Yep. We have an Elton Chardonnay now, and then also an Elton Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Fuller, who was the original owner of Tualatin Estates Vineyards um, out in Forest Grove, he actually came back. He's in his 80s now. Came back and made um, a couple of wines for us, a Chardonnay and a Pinot Noir off of his Tualatin Estate as well. Um, so we're we're growing and we fluctuate. Sure. Um, each year, um, it's a different amount of wines that we make, but if you ever come out to the tasting room, you can taste through almost all of them. So. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> is there a dessert wine, and is there a sparkling wine, if I recall? Uh, yes. So, actually, that's a great question. So, we've got several dessert wines. We do Twilight's make a port a and a couple of late harvest uh, wines, uh, but then we also have a semi-sparkling muscat from Tualatin Estate, but I wonder if you're asking me about our newest endeavor, which- I am. We are now making uh, champagne method uh, sparkling wines. So, champagne. Yeah. So our first vintage of that was 2014. Uh, our latest released vintage was 2015. And now we're working on a rosé. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How so. fun is that? That's really, it's great to see. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, production of sparkling wine. You know, 20 years ago, obviously, Argyle came in, and then there was uh, Merriweather, which was mm-hmm. a big one, and there's yeah. another one down there. Uh, but for, to have uh, sparkling wine in the Pacific Northwest, it really must be specific, because sparkling wine, unless you're making something like a sparkling semi-sweet muscat, which is all about the grape aromatics, and yep. it's really Asti Spumante or uh, Moscato, what I should say. But when you think about fine, premium cuvées of sparkling wine, you need um, great acidity. You have to have that structure. You need that sense of place, kind of, where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we're making this wine because this grape grows beautifully here for this purpose. And uh, I think, actually, when you have enough resources, you can do that these days. And I think um, Argyle's led the way with their... Definitely. Uh, with their uh, Ressement Desgorgement, um, the late uh, disgorgement. And uh, what was there a name for those sparkling wines? Uh, we just call them our Brut. 
Sparkling, uh, Willamette Valley Vineyard. It has our, our uh, estate label on there. Um, it's beautiful wine, I have to say. I like the 2015 better than the 14. Ah. Um, but yeah, you've really seen in Oregon in particular, just uh, sparkling wine has really taken off. Um, lots of winemakers are making them. Uh, Eel yeah, Hills, it's, it's the King new fun State. thing. Yeah, it really is. And I think we have a perfect growing region for that. Um, and it's it's a good way to experiment with some of our other grapes and put them to good use. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Marissa Uyavar, um, thanks so much. It's, we've uh, talked about having you on the show for a long time, and I it's know. great to finally meet you and, and really taste some stellar wines. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening, folks. <laughs> hey, that's my line. Hey, folks, hope you enjoyed the show. Willamette Valley Vineyards has some great values and some spot-on characteristics of wine, uh, varietally correct and delicious. Uh, they go well with any occasion. Uh, hey, it is the fall. It's harvest time. Get out there. Get to Woodenville. Get to Walla Walla Vintners. Uh, yeah, get to Walla Walla Vintners. Look up there. You'll see my house in Walla Walla. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, life is always better with the designated driver. Cheers!